I'd like to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 28. Jeremiah is not uh, especially well known by most Christians, other than the fact uh, many folks know him as the weeping prophet, and then many folks know Jeremiah 29, 11. It's a favorite verse for lots of folks. But overall, Jeremiah, uh, not a whole lot of folks, you know, just say, hey, I'm going to read Jeremiah every day for a month. Uh, some folks do who happen to read through the whole Bible. But uh, Jeremiah was a prophet, one of the Old Testament prophets, and he lived through a very difficult time, a time in which um, the people of Israel uh, were, were going through a lot of hardship, a lot of difficulty. Prophet after prophet after prophet before him had, had prophesied and said, Nation of Israel, wake up. Bad things are coming. You've rebelled against God. You've done what you oughtn't do. You need to repent. You need to turn back to me. And uh, one after another, you know, people might listen for a moment, and especially if it got them, you know, out of a jam for a second. But before long, they turned back to the way that they were going. And, and so things kept going. And then as God warned, eventually things came to a head. And so the, uh, the exile uh, had begun. Uh, there would be a time of 70 years in which a large portion of the Jewish population would be taken from their homeland and, uh, by the king Nebuchadnezzar and would be taken far, far to the east. And um, in this time period, what didn't happen all at once, it was uh, a series of events. And so Jeremiah had the... Uh, the, the lucky job of being a prophet during this time. I know there's, there's a lot of folks that feel like, wow, you know, I got to be in office in 2020. I got to start a new job in 2020 or be a leader in 2020. <laughs> you know, why couldn't I have retired in 2019 or why didn't I get out of this? But that's, that's just not the way things work. You know, you, we, we just have to deal with the, the hand that's given to us. And, and that was Jeremiah's job to live through that type of time in Israel's history. And so we know about Jeremiah 29 that's where he was telling some of the folks who had already been exiled and they were already over there um, that, hey, you need to settle down and, and go ahead and plant and harvest and buy homes and tell, let your children marry and go ahead because you're in this for the long haul. OK, and, and that's where we get that verse where he says, I know the Lord has plans for you to prosper you and not to harm you. That's all in that big context, because there were some false prophets who were saying, hey, don't settle down, guys. You know what? All this stuff's going to poof, just go away. It's all going to get better. And we're going to be going back to the homeland any day now. And, and so, you know. And, and, and he said, hey, don't listen to those false prophets. You need to know God had told you, God had said, this is coming and it, you're going to be there. So you better go ahead and settle in. Well, in chapter 27 and 28, he was kind of doing the same thing, except for some folks who hadn't already been exiled. They were still back in Israel. So in chapter 27, he had a message. And like lots of prophets did, 
he didn't only give the message verbally, he did it visually. Prophets did all kinds of strange things to reinforce their messages. You know, uh, sometimes they even went naked, or sometimes they would go do strange acts. Well, his thing at this point was to take a yoke, a wooden yoke that was meant to be put on an animal, okay, and he put this onto himself and he said, hey, this yoke is the yoke that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, has put upon us and God has said, look, he's going to reign over us and listen, this is part of God's plan. We just have to deal with it for a while. And he was trying to convince the folks, listen, don't rebel against this. Don't fight against it. This is part of God's discipline upon us for what we have done. And you just need to understand, you're not getting out of this. This is a consequence for the way that we lived and how we ignored the prophets who told us what was coming. And so that was the big message of, of chapter 27. Well, in chapter 28, a new guy enters the scene, this prophet that we've never really heard of before. And, and, and he's really not heard of after chapter 28. But there's this prophet called Hananiah. And in the beginning of, pro of chapter 28, the scene is the temple. And there is the prophet Jeremiah. He's in the temple. All the priests are there. All the people are there. Everybody's worshiping. It's a huge crowd. And in the middle of it, this prophet, Hananiah, walks up to him, gets right up in his face, and he says... Hey, guess what? The Lord told me we're not going to be oppressed at all. In fact, in two years, we're going to be out of all this mess. God's going to take this yoke off. He's going to destroy it. And we're going to be out of this. So you're wrong, Jeremiah. Well, we're going to pick up with Jeremiah's response. So I'm going to ask you and invite you to stand with me if you're physically able as we read Jeremiah chapter 28, verses 5 through 9. Then the prophet Jeremiah replied to the prophet Hananiah before the priest and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. He said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord fulfill the words you have prophesied by bringing the articles of the Lord's house and all the exiles back to this place from Babylon. Nevertheless, listen to what I have to say in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. From early times, the prophets who preceded you and me have prophesied war, disaster, and plague against many countries and great kingdoms. But the prophet who prophesies peace will be recognized as one truly sent by the Lord only if his prediction comes true. Let us pray. God, we uh, come to you, and Father, we pray this morning for discernment. As your people, Lord, we have so many, uh, got an uncountable number of messages coming our way. And, and somehow we have to filter, and we have to uh, see through and discern, and, and try to understand and live our lives 
by figuring out which one of these messages are true and which are false and, and, and making our decisions based upon that understanding of what is true and what is right. And so I pray today that you would open our hearts and minds and, and help us to get a handle on uh, how we are to live our lives and how we are to make our decisions in a way that honors you. And Father God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can be seated. So Hananiah, he brags. He says, hey, my message from the Lord's better than your message from the Lord. My message says that God's going to break that yoke. God's going to break that chain. God's going to break us out of this stuff. And, and those exiles that were taken away, and all that valuable stuff that was stolen out of the temple and taken far to the east, that's all about to come back. And I love Jeremiah's response. His first word was, amen, brother. Amen. Preach it. He said, I love that. Amen means agreed. Let it be. I want that to happen. Jeremiah is saying, do you think I'm preaching gloom and doom because I like it? Do you think I'm preaching that we're going to be in exile and we're going to be ruled over by all these other people because that's what I wished and dreamed up and what I hoped for? Absolutely not. But hey, if that's really what the Lord said and I missed it, great. I hope you're right. Amen. Let that really happen. But... Let's remember something he said. Every other prophet, genuine prophet, before you and me, has been prophesying and saying that bad things were coming and that God's judgment was on its way. And just remember that the true test of whether I'm right or you're right it's not about which one of us is a better speaker, which one of us is flashier, which one of us is more relevant. You know, you've put on a big show here in front of everybody. You've gotten my face in front of the whole temple. But guess what? The real deal is going to show when this two years you claim, when it's up, that, that's when reality is going to be seen. Well, we go on in the passage beyond what we read, and... Uh, Hananiah just doubles down on his words. He doesn't, he doesn't step back one bit. In fact, he says, oh, yeah? And the Bible says he takes that yoke off of Jeremiah, and he says, this is what God's going to do, that yoke. He breaks the yoke in half. I mean, I'm thinking wrestling move right here. I mean, smashing this thing, tearing it up. He's like getting the crowd, and everybody's probably all excited. Yeah, that's what we're going to do to the Babylonians, you know. They got their national pride all stirred up. They're excited. We're going to throw off the oppressors. And he walks out, and, and, and everybody's all, that's right. We're not going to live for this anymore. Well, Jeremiah goes home, and he prays about this. Lord, did I really miss you? God, it, help, help make, let, me, let me know for sure what's going on here. And the Lord speaks to him and says, No, Jeremiah, I want you to understand that that, that wood yoke that he tore off and made a spectacle about, he said that yoke is really going to be a yoke of iron. 
It's unbreakable. And just on top of the fact that his words are not going to be true in two years, not only will you still be exiled, but he's going to be dead before the two years are up. And the chapter goes on to say that uh, in the seventh month, Hananiah the prophet dies. And so his word does not come true. And Jeremiah, of course, is proven to be the prophet of truth. The message today is entitled, Beware the Prophets of Peace. Beware the Prophets of Peace. Not because we don't want peace. In fact, Jesus himself is the Prince of Peace. We want peace. As Christians, our goal is peace. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. But when I say beware the prophets of peace, what I mean are those who basically tell us what we want to hear. Those who say, you know, hey, I know that, you know, what's happened I know what you've done, but guess what? You're not going to really have to live with those consequences. There's just going to be some magic little fix, and you're going to get out of it. Or I know what God said, but we're going to find a workaround to that way. There will always be the prophets of peace. There will always be these false prophets. There will always be the voices out there. That, that are telling us things that are opposed to God's word. And so how do we recognize those as opposed uh, to true ministers, true prophets, true, those who are truly speaking um, for God? Well, obviously, the first thing that we recognize is that they're going to be telling you just what you want to hear. They will be telling you just what you want to hear. Sometimes people will say to me something like, Pastor Tim, I needed to hear that. That's a good thing. We have to be careful that we don't just listen to what we want to hear. Because what we need to hear is often different from what we want to hear. We often want to hear something that just reinforces what we already believe and makes us feel good about ourselves. Um, A lot of times, sociologists today, folks talk about the echo chambers on social media, where we block everybody with opposing views to our own, Uh, we only listen to news outlets that are our own, and we end up in these echo chambers, and it doesn't matter who we are, whether we're, you know, this party or independent or that party or what, you know, where we are on a spectrum, but in our society, we've all kind of become pigeonholed in these little cliques or these little groups where where we just like to hear what we like to hear. We want more of what we already believe. And and now beyond being a political problem, I'm not here to fix the world's politics, but that's really dangerous when it comes to our relationship with God. Because all of us have messed up theology somewhere. Every single one of us, by the, first of all, we all do theology. Some of you would say, theology? I've never done theology in my life. I've never opened a theological textbook. Theology is simply thinking about God. If you ever have once had a thought about God, you've done theology. Okay? So all of us do theology. And all of us, because none of us are perfect, we all at some point get it wrong. 
We all at some point need to be instructed. We need to be corrected. We need to be drawn more toward the truth. And that's why we have other believers to help us. That's why we read our Bible. That's why we, we, we listen and we learn and we, we try to grow. But if we only listen to people who say exactly the things that we already believe, we never understand where we've gone wrong. We have to be open to understanding at some point, hey, maybe I missed the boat. Maybe what somebody taught me at some point in time wasn't exactly right. I'm not saying, and this is very important, I'm not saying that God's word changes. I'm saying that we have to, at times, change our understanding because we misunderstand what God's word says. And we always have to be humble enough and willing to get back to what God's word says. But there's an there's a arrogance sometimes that likes to reinforce what we think we already know. The Apostle Paul talked about the fact that there... Whoa. Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul. Oh, are we okay? All right. We're working on this. The Apostle Paul, am I on here? Okay. The Apostle Paul talked about the fact that there, is, um, there are times where people will have itching ears, he talked about. And itching ears, meaning people can't wait for them to be scratched. That is, they want to hear exactly what they want to hear rather than hearing the truth. They want to hear someone reinforcing exactly what they already believe rather than being challenged by the truth of God's word. So these false prophets, number one, they're going to tell you exactly what you want to hear to reaffirm what you've already, always believed rather than challenging you with God's word. Number two, um, these false prophets will do everything they can to sound authentic. They're going to be confident. Hananiah walked straight up in the temple, got right in Jeremiah's face in front of all the prophets and all the people. He was full of confidence that he was right. He said all the right words. He said, thus saith the Lord, just exactly like Jeremiah and all the other prophets did. So he had all the religious language. He used... A physical example. Jeremiah used the yoke. He took that yoke and did one better by breaking it. So he did all the things, all the right communication things, all the things, the religious things he did to try to communicate properly and to act like he was a really religious person. So these folks, they're not dumb. If they were, you'd never believe them. Nobody would ever believe them if they weren't convincing so they will do everything they can to, pre to prepare uh, some authenticity. But here's the, the third thing, and this is the most important that we have to understand. They will lead you to disobey God's word. It is the key thing about false prophets is they will lead you to disobey God's word. And so we have to get over them saying the thing that we like, that we want to hear, 
and the fact that they say it in a way that we like to receive it and, and just the what they're saying and the way they're saying it, all these things making us want to say, amen, amen, that sounds so good. But when it gets down to it, what they're saying is going against God's word. We have to set aside our human preferences that say, wow, I like the sound of what he's saying and I like the way that he's saying, whoa, but he's not saying what God has said. And we have to put on the brakes and say, uh-uh, I can't go along with that. As well as it sounds, as well as it seems to communicate, as easy as it would be to jump on that bandwagon, I have to be a part of what God wants me to be a part of. How do we tell the difference in these false prophets and true ones? You know, ultimately, uh, the ultimate test, of course, is what Jeremiah said, that false prophecies don't come true. False prophecies do not come true. And, and so you wait the two years, and obviously his thing didn't happen. So that's great eventually. But what do you do in the meantime? What do you do in the time between the two years? You look at what they're saying, though, and does it line up with the tried and true word of God? And that's what the prophet Jeremiah, when, when he said, Amen, I'd love to hear it. I'd love for that to happen. That sounds great. But by the way, every acknowledged true prophet of God that has preceded you and me, Hananiah, They've not prophesied peace. They've not prophesied that all this was just going to be a little scuffle and it was all going to get better. They prophesied that there was going to be war and destruction and that it was going to be really bad. And that there was going to be an exile and that we were going to be gone a long time. And Jeremiah said, you know... I, you say this, I say that. I'm just saying I'm going to line up with what God has already spoken. The most dangerous thing in the world is when we say, hey, you know, I know God said, but. When we start saying, I, you, know, my own, you know, my own feelings, my own desires, uh, I know God said, but. I love what Becky said about being careful with that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see, because that's, um, it is the most powerful truth we have, and yet Satan will try to use a, a twisted version for himself. It's exactly what he did. Uh, with Jesus. When he tempted Jesus in the desert, in the wilderness, what did he do? He twisted and manipulated. Rather than using God's word appropriately as, as it was written, he would take it and he would twist it and manipulate it and try to tempt Jesus using scripture taken out of context and twisted for his own selfish purposes. And that's exactly what false prophets do. 
They'll have just enough truth in there to sound correct, but then they'll twist it and change it and turn it all around to where it's the exact opposite of what God has called us to do. I want to encourage you in this day and time in which we live. There's a lot of people out there that really wants you to believe that, you know, hey, if you believe this, if you follow this, if you do this, hey, all your problems are going to be solved. All your problems are going to be fixed. And that's not the reality of the way this world works. The reality is, is that we follow God's word And he has called us to fight the fight, to live out our faith day by day. And that fight, that Christian life, is a battle. It is a struggle. If it wasn't, we wouldn't wear the armor of God that Becky's been teaching our children and us about. We'd be in a leisure suit. We'd be in something very comfortable. But instead, we're in armor. Because we've got to get out there every day, and we've got to fight that spiritual battle. We've got to go to war. We've got to do our best in a very messy world, in a very difficult world. And we, one step at a time, we do our best. We try to do what's right. We ask God for wisdom. We make tough decisions. Sometimes we get it right, sometimes we get it wrong, but we we do our best. We try to love and forgive and serve God and keep on going. We do this by continuing to focus on God. We continue to look to Jesus. Other people, pastors, Sunday school teachers, session members, Christians we look up to, all of them will help us in our walk and in our growth. But ultimately, our final and complete trust is not in any man or woman who goes out there and says, I've got the solution for you. Our trust is in God. And we follow him. We learn from anyone we can. We respect and we take all we can from those who mentor us. And who help us along the way. And we value that. But we put our faith and trust in God. So that when mankind. When people let us down as they inevitably will. We're disappointed. But we're not destroyed. Because our ultimate faith was in God himself. So this morning I want to challenge you as you seek to follow God. Learn wherever you can, from whoever you can, to grow stronger in your faith. But as you do so, use discernment. Keep an eye out. Watch and watch for those teachers who point you to Jesus and point you to God's word. But be very careful of those who point you to themselves or they point you to the easy answers and the things you want to hear rather than what God really has to say. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we come to you. And Lord, we ask that this morning, God, that you would help us to be discerning, that you would help us to open up our hearts, to listen to you, 
Father, to open up our hearts, to have your spirit change us constantly. Lord, to be more like Jesus. That we would have those fruits of the spirit, the love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Lord, all those things that we lack without you. Father, help us to grow in each and every one of those areas as we become more like you, as we allow ourselves to be filled more with your spirit. Lord, be with us now in this time as we are led by our praise team and as we contemplate our response to you and your word. Father, take this message and apply it to our hearts. Help us to see, Father, where we need to go, what we need to do to draw closer to you. And Lord, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Whatever.